0: Welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to our series on the Lord's Prayer. It's entitled, How to Pray. Certainly we're taking a look at what Jesus had taught His disciples. They were desiring, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so as He's gone through some of these introductory verses, even before we get to the Lord's Prayer, He was teaching the disciples how to and how not To pray. It's a very familiar passage, a very familiar portion of Scripture that many of us have heard and and maybe even have learned or memorized. But certainly, so far, we have seen that Jesus has encouraged and taught us we are to pray privately. Does not mean that we can't pray in public as we have done some of that today, but certainly the basis of our relationship with the Lord is done in private, that it is us communicating in prayer with Him. We, We are encouraged to do so privately, encouraged to do so sincerely. Out of our heart, we don't have to try to mimic or pattern ourselves after anybody else. We can be us in a relationship with God. He encourages us to pray regularly. He says, when you pray, and when you pray, and as you pray. It is assumed, it is understood. He is saying, as as individuals who have a relationship with the Father, we are to pray regularly. And then as we've started in the Lord's Prayer, going verse by verse, we've looked at reverently. He says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed. Holy, reverent is your name. We're to pray reverently to God the Father. And then we're to pray willfully. Last week we looked at the fact, Jesus said, you pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's a challenge because we want our way right away. We're to pray according to God's will. It's God's will, God's kingdom. Well, there was a six-year-old boy, and the six-year-old boy was an only child. One evening, he asked his father for a pet. His father said that that was impossible. But if he prayed really hard for a couple of months, God might send him a baby brother. Well, Bobby prayed. But after a week or so, and not seeing a baby brother pop out, he gave up. But two months later, he saw his daddy holding his baby brother in his arms. Uh, but next to him was his mother holding another baby brother, twins. Bobby's father said, Well, aren't you glad you prayed for a baby brother? And Bobby replied, Yeah. But aren't you glad I stopped when I did? That might describe you and I sometimes. We pray and we pray. Maybe it's like Bobby. He prayed for about a week, didn't see anything happening, and gave up. We are to pray and pray regularly and, and pray reverently all of these things that jesus has taught us we're to pray faithfully this morning as we continue the next couple of verses into the lord's prayer i believe he's saying we are to pray dependently because when we pray we are dependent on him we're dependent on god when we pray it's not dependent on who we are Because we are what? We are sinners who are saved by grace. We're going to a holy and an almighty God the Father who is able to meet and answer needs. We come to Him and we are trusting and dependent upon Him. Here's the two areas that we're going to be looking at this morning. We're dependent on God's provision and we're dependent on God's forgiveness. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, as we take a look at the Lord's Prayer. Luke chapter 11 also records the Lord's Prayer. We're taking a look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. So uh, the two segments, if you would, that we're studying were dependent on God's provision, verse 11, where he says, give us this day... Our daily bread. And then, secondly, we'll get to in a little bit, we're dependent on God's forgiveness. Verse 12 says this Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And that, that's kind of that verse that once we get there, if you've learned at kjv if you've learned at niv if you're reading it through uh, the bible this year as i am and new american standard that's the one where it tends to to diverge and get a little bit different most of the other verses are almost word for word in many of the translations this particular one debts and debtors and trespasses uh, can be a little bit different but we are to pray dependently we are to depend on god's provision. So, Jesus says, we pray like this, give us this day our daily what? Daily what? Bread. There's over 300 references to bread in Scripture. Bread is a, a pretty much a staple, certainly, of, of our life and diets today, But in Bible times, bread was certainly very much essential for their meals. We've got great plates and, and great utensils. I mean, we've got forks and spoons and knives, and we've got sporks or Spoons or whatever, you know, those things in Taco Bell where it's a, it's a fork but a spoon. It's a spoon but a fork. I mean, we've got some pretty cool utensils, right? You, you go to the kitchen, you open up some of the drawers of people's homes, and you see all kinds of neat little utensils for all kinds of stuff. Uh, Bible days, they didn't have all of these incredible and fancy utensils. You know what they had? bread. Bread was almost like their utensil, almost like their vehicle. If you've got a meal, many times, uh, you know, you're going to use that bread. You might kind of tear off a piece and, and kind of, you know, sop it in what you're eating or, or use that with what you're eating. It, it's, it's something that you ate a lot of. Now, They did not have all of the preservatives, all of the fancy chemicals, and all the extra little stuff that we can't pronounce that's in the uh, ingredient list that helps that bread to stay for a little while. didn't have all those neat little things. And so bread was needing to be baked, what, fresh and and regularly, probably daily. So this concept of daily bread certainly was was something that would be uh, familiar to them. But the Hebrew understanding of bread is more than just that loaf of loafy goodness. In a sense, to the Hebrew understanding, bread meant anything needed for living out the day. So, daily bread is not just, God, give me this loaf of bread. Ain't got peanut butter or jelly, but I've got some bread. It talked about everything that was included. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, Everything necessary for provision of this life is bread, food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, government, and peace. So this concept of saying, give us today our daily bread... Yes, bread was something that was needed and necessary and cooked and prepared on a regular basis, but it's not just help us to have something to put our peanut butter on. It was, Lord, give us the needs, give us the necessities, help us with what is needed for today. He says, that is how we are to pray to the Lord. We're dependent on Him for His provision, but I've got good news for you. God's provision is generous. It's generous. God not only cares about our needs, God is able to meet those needs. He's got the resources. God is not stingy, God is generous and abundant. And He's able to meet our needs. In a variety of ways, whether that's something physical, financial, emotional, spiritual, relational. God has the resources, and he is able to generously supply to you and I. We say, pray for the daily bread. God, give us this day the daily bread. We're saying, God, give what is needed to function today. Psalm 37, verse 3 and 4, we read, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. It's the Lord who desires to bless. Many times when we think about coming to the Lord, and again, as we've touched on this a little bit earlier in our study, When we talk about the Lord as our heavenly Father, sometimes our mind goes back to our earthly fathers. So maybe if you had an earthly father that you struggled to come to, for whatever reason, maybe that father, maybe his favorite word was no. Right? Can I have this? No. Tomorrow, can I have this? No. If all you heard was no, 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 it might might keep you from wanting to come and make requests. We have the opportunity to come before a heavenly father who not only loves, but is able to bless, is generous to give, and to help us with what is needed for today. We've got to trust in him and we're dependent upon him. We're not dependent on who we are. We don't say, God, because of who I am, you've got to do something. We're dependent on his love and his care and his kindness and his generosity. God's provision is generous. God's provision is also on time. The quote that many of you have said many of you have lived and you've probably got situation after situation people would say well god's not early but he's never late he's an on time god and we can probably look at situation after situation where we say how in the world is this need going to be met And God comes about at just the right time, sometimes in some surprising ways. He is an on-time God. Elmer Towns said this, when you pray for bread for this day, you are expressing ultimate confidence in God. Again, it's that dependence upon Him. We're depending upon Him. It's confidence in Him that He loves, that He is generous, and He will bless on time. Many times we try to live in the past. Or many times we try to live for tomorrow. We're to go to the Lord and seek His help for today. Daily bread, it's that continual posture of total dependence on God for everything. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, the the challenge for us is we don't want the day's supply, right? What we would rather pray is, give us this day my weekly bread. No, 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 Let let me try that again. Give us this day my monthly... No, 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 let me try that again. Lord, give me this day my yearly bread. Right? I mean, wouldn't it just be easier if we had a whole lump sum of bread? And we didn't have to keep trusting and depending on God every single day. I mean, why, didn't, why doesn't God just give us a whole month's supply of bread? It's that concept of continuing to trust, continuing to depend on Him versus us. Give us today the daily bread. Sometimes the challenge is when we are blessed that we have maybe some reserves and then we feel as if we don't need God because I've got this maybe if God were to give an abundance the weekly bread and say, "Hey, here's enough for seven days. Portion it out wisely, <laughs> wisely." Yeah, God, that bread's gone in day one. Um, I know you gave me my weekly bread today, but I, boy, I sure need some more tomorrow. Sometimes, not, not all the time, but sometimes we can struggle with the abundance. And so sometimes the, the process is to teach the dependence upon God. God, today I'm trusting you for today. I'm going to do my best in planning for tomorrow and the next and the next, but God, I'm believing and trusting you will help me through today. Needs in my life today. Help me to depend upon you and to trust in you. So I'm thankful that his provision is generous. I'm thankful that his provision is on time. I'm also thankful that his provision is faithful. I mean, it's day in and day out. We pray today, God, give us this day our daily bread, and we pray that again tomorrow. This isn't just a one time a week kind of prayer. Remember in the Old Testament with the Israelites in the wilderness, God supplied bread, sort of. You remember the bread-like substance? Basically, it was room service, and God placed it on the ground, and they looked at that, and they said, what is it? And the word for what is it basically was manna. This manna from heaven. And God gave it every single day. But on the sixth day, he said, you're to gather enough to last you for the next day. So six days they gathered. And on that sixth day, they gathered twice as much because God was not going to provide that on the Sabbath. Every other day, if you left it till the morning and you didn't use it, it would spoil. But this time, when you gathered enough, it was good for that day plus the Sabbath. And once again, at the beginning of the week, you would go out and collect. God was faithful day after day after day, faithful in his provision. God can meet our needs. God cares about you. God cares about me. He's building up the faith of these individuals day after day after day. Hopefully, you and I can look back at our past. Maybe that means last week, last month, last year, maybe a while back, and we see God has met and supplied our need in the past and that shows God's continued faithfulness to be able to meet our needs today or down the road we can trust we can depend upon God and his provision so God's provision it's it's generous God's provision is on time God's provision is faithful and God's provision is sufficient It's enough. He can meet our every need. Many times we can be good at worry rather than trust. You know, the thought, how in the world is this going to be met? How in the world are we going to make this happen? And we worry and we worry and we worry as if... God is not sufficient or as if God is not able to supply that need. And God comes through and yet shows again that he is enough. He is sufficient. We can trust in him. So Jesus says, here's how we pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, give us this day. We seek the Lord for our daily bread. And then he continues in that next verse, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Not only can we depend upon him for provision, we can trust and depend upon him For forgiveness. Forgiveness. There's a a lot of things when it comes to forgiveness. What forgiveness is, what forgiveness is not. Let's just, let's rattle through quite a few quick thoughts about what forgiveness is not. All right? What forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not mean that we approve or diminish sin. If we forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that we're approving what they did that was wrong. We're not approving sin. We're we're also not diminishing sin to say, okay, I forgive it. It's no big deal. Listen, sin is a deal, right? God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for sins, our sins. So when we forgive when someone sinned, it's not as if we're saying, okay, sin's no big deal, because sin is a big deal. Forgiveness is also not denying wrongdoing. It's not that we pretend, oh, nothing happened, just forgive them, pretend like nothing ever happened. Something did happen, but we certainly can forgive the individual. We can forgive the situation. Forgiveness is, does not mean that we wait for an apology. Sometimes this is the challenge. I'll forgive them when they say they're sorry. Not until. Have you ever come across someone who no matter what, just never says they're sorry? Never asks for forgiveness. There might be some individuals like that. So forgiveness doesn't mean, okay, we got to wait and there's an order. They have to say sorry before I can forgive what's happened. It doesn't necessarily mean that. In some cases, we might need to forgive, though they maybe have not come to ask. Forgiveness is also, it doesn't mean that we forget. This is a tricky one, right? Because how many times have we heard the phrase, forgive and forget? Is it hard to forget? I mean, it's hard enough to forgive, but the way you and I are, are built and wired, can we truly forget some of the hurt that sometimes has been done? Can we truly forget that maybe someone has been abandoned abused that maybe somebody has been cheated on that things have been said to or done to us can we just simply forget pretty pretty hard for us right so forgiveness doesn't mean okay i literally have no memory of that doesn't necessarily mean we've forgotten what's taken place But we're choosing to forgive as God has forgiven us. Because here's the thing. When individuals wrong us, how many of you know it hurts? When somebody says something, when somebody does something, when somebody doesn't say something, when somebody doesn't say or do something, whatever the case might be, we feel those hurts. So forgiveness doesn't mean, okay, I don't feel anything. Sometimes we certainly feel the hurt. We feel the pain. Sometimes people might say, well, well, I've I've forgiven them, but it still hurts. You're right. It probably still will. doesn't mean you've not forgiven right. It means, boy, there's a hurt that's still there. We can forgive, but sometimes those hurts pop up. Forgiveness is also not a one-time event. You ever forgiven somebody for something and then they went and did it again? (laughs) Seriously? We just had this whole whatever. We had this whole discussion about this. You did this. You hurt me. I forgave you and you went and did it again. What an idiot, you would say. Boy, doesn't that just sound like us sometimes. Can you imagine if God had that view towards us? I only forgive you once. And that's it. We'd be in a world of trouble. How many times haven't we maybe done the same thing or the same type of thing Again again until maybe finally calling out on him for his his help, his strength, his grace, and, and overcoming whatever that was. But sometimes us with other people, we might need to continue to forgive if somebody continues to say something or continues to do something. Or maybe over time you've forgiven, but maybe that hurt pops up. Maybe some of those memories kind of pop up again. And we've got to wrestle through and sort through that. Sometimes it's not just this one-time event. Forgiveness is also not exactly the same as complete trust. Because understand this, trust takes a long, 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 long time to build but a short time to destroy right so simply because we have forgiven somebody for what they have said or done doesn't necessarily mean there's complete 100 percent trust like it was before we might forgive and still have a little bit of wariness As to what's going to happen in this relationship, friend to friend, spouse to spouse, co-workers, whatever the case might be, we might forgive somebody for what has taken place. That doesn't mean we want to put ourselves in that same situation again. Forgiveness also doesn't mean that we just go and neglect justice Because how many of you know we can forgive, but sometimes there's consequences for actions, right? I mean, if you had somebody steal your car, you could forgive them, but you sure hope they get caught and maybe the arm of the law and justice comes out on your behalf. Forgiveness is one thing, but there are also laws to follow. So if that person gets caught and they come and say, Hey, the person whose car I I stole, they forgave me. Let me go. Well, We're glad that we can forgive, but certainly in some cases, there are consequences as a result of our actions. So, a lot of things that forgiveness is not necessarily the case of, but let's take a look at a handful of things. Here's what God's forgiveness is. First of all, God's forgiveness is instant, it's very simple. When we ask for forgiveness, He forgives. It's incredible. Nehemiah 9.17, he says, You are a God of forgiveness, always ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, full of love, always ready to pardon. Isaiah writes it this way, Isaiah 55.7, God is merciful and quick to forgive. You and I, we've been through some processes, right? We've been through some procedures. We've been through some of the red tape to do certain things. There's been a lot of planning and, and praying and preparing for this Tanzania trip. It is not an instant process to get a passport. It's not an instant process to do something governmentally. There's a a series of steps to go through. For a lot of different things that you and I might want to do, it's not instantaneous. It's something, there's steps and processes and procedures. When it comes to asking God for forgiveness, aren't you glad we don't have to fill out an application? Filled out in triplicate? With our name written in cursive? where we initial every other page and wait and wait and wait for a few months to see whether he accepts. God's word says he is ready to pardon, ready to forgive. Isaiah says quick to forgive. It's without delay. Maybe uh, you've experienced this with a friend or a family member where maybe you wronged Someone, and so you were looking to do the right thing. You came to them and you said, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? And that person who was very, very hurt said, Let me think about it. Ever had that? You're thinking, What? I go to all this, and I'm coming, and I'm very sincere, and I'm very sorry. Would you forgive me? And them because they are hurt and wounded, maybe they want to make you feel it a little bit, or maybe they want to kind of sort through it. They're saying, give me some time here. We don't experience that with God. When we come to Him, He is able and quick and immediate to forgive, to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. So, God's forgiveness is immediate. God's forgiveness is also complete. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14, the Phillips translation reads like this, "'He has forgiven all your sins.'" He has utterly wiped out the evidence of broken commandments which always hung over our heads and has completely annulled it by nailing it to the cross. He died for all of our sins. It's not just a, okay, it covers most of your sins. Have you read fine print on some of these coupons? Have you read fine print on some of these sales, some of these different contracts? They want to cover themselves. They they will cover most things, but probably not the the way that you want to use this item. They'll cover most things, but probably not this day and time. God's forgiveness isn't based on days or time or Attitudes, it is complete. We come to Him, He completely forgives our sins. First John 2, 1 John 2.1 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. God completely forgives our sins. And God, God doesn't forgive but with a grudge. Maybe you've experienced that or maybe you've been on that end where you've forgiven but held the grudge. Like someone comes and asks you your forgiveness and, you know, maybe it's, it's kind of the arms crossed and, and the, the look and you're like, fine, I forgive you but what you really mean is I want to hold on to this grudge for a little while and kind of hold it over their head, remind them of what they did. I sort of forgave you, but remember, we can experience complete forgiveness from God. God's not someone that holds grudges based on our sins. He forgives instantly. He forgives completely. He also forgives repeatedly aren't you thankful for that because as we've mentioned many times we sin sometimes we'll sin again on the very same thing or in a completely other area I'm glad that there's not a limit right limits are big for many of you with smartphones You've got data plans, and you've got so much data or so much high-speed data, and once you hit that and you go above it, they either sock you with an extra charge or they take away certain things. You've got a limit. Aren't you thankful we don't have that limit? Well, you've sinned five times already today. You've sinned X number of times this week You've already hit your limit. You can't sin again until your cycle starts over again. We'd be in a world of hurt. God will forgive us continually, repeatedly. Now, the goal is not to continue doing those same things, but 1 John 1, 1.9 says, If we confess, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But that means we must confess. We must come to him and say, we've messed up, clean me, cleanse me, forgive me, and he will. In fact, Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus Christ is interceding and continually interceding on our behalf. He's there ready to forgive. The process for you and I is, let us come to him, let us confess and ask that he would cleanse and forgive. Because the guilt, the sins, the shame that we experience, it's kind of like uh, kind of like garbage in a house, right? Take it out on a regular basis. Don't let it build up and stink. When it comes to our sin, we can come to the Lord on a regular basis and say, God, cleanse me. God, forgive me. God, I blew it again. It's not my goal, not my desire. I'm, I'm trying to be Christ-like, but I messed up would you forgive me? We can stay close to him in that relationship with God. So God's forgiveness is immediate. It's complete. It's repeated. I'm very glad that his forgiveness is free. Almost... Like one of those infomercials, it it almost sounds too good to be true, right? The fact that all of my sins from way, way, way back until now, I can come to you, confess them, and He will forgive all of them completely and immediately, but there's no charge, it's free. Well, let's just put it this way. The price was paid on your behalf. There was a cost, but it's free. The cost was Jesus Christ, His Son, who died upon the cross for you and for me. So a tremendous cost was paid, but the price is free for you and for me. Romans says that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says that we are justified freely by His grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says that it is by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, so that no one can boast. It's a free gift. We don't have to save up to pay for it. We don't have to try to do enough good works to earn it. We don't have to try to be a a good person to try to qualify for it. We simply request We ask, and he cleanses, he forgives freely. See, when Jesus died upon the cross, those last words, what did he say? He said, it is finished. In the Greek, that it is finished, it's it's basically one word. It's more of a legal term. It's a little bit more kind of like our stamp on a bill where we might stamp it and say, paid in full. He's declaring, it's finished, it's done, it's taken care of. No cost to you, no cost to me. As we ask for forgiveness, he freely responds. It's an incredible opportunity that we have. A little bit earlier, we, we recognized that and responded to that in the time of communion, the time of remembrance. We're reminded about the cleansing. We're reminded about the forgiveness. It was immediate. It was complete. But it was also free. No expense to us at the great cost of His Son, Jesus Christ. As Jesus continues to teach us about prayer, today he's saying, when we pray, we do so dependently. We're dependent on God to provide. We're dependent on God to forgive. And we can be thankful that he's a generous God able to provide and a generous God able to forgive freely in our lives.